going to make an assumption and you tell me if I'm wrong. You feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. I know it's true. There are always too many things to do and too little time. If you're like me, your boss will walk down the hallway and shout, go home, Beltran. That's why I am telling everyone about the 40-hour work week with Angela Watson. Angela was a guest on this very podcast back in season one, and she shared her ideas for managing your time, teaching, and stuff to help you make the most of your time at work while making time for home too. But that was just the beginning. In her membership, The 40-Hour Workweek, Angela helps you focus on what matters to have a purposeful and productive workday and then go home. Angela helps teachers find, on average, 11 hours a week that they can take back for themselves while still being a great teacher. The best part is that Angela has a new membership, especially for coaches. She partnered with my friend and coffee buddy, Nicole Turner of Simply Coaching, to create the 40-hour work week for coaches. Check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com slash 40-hour week and get your time back. Coach, are you feeling like your teachers are just not interested in your support? Have you struggled to get into classrooms and impact positive change? Do your teachers turn the other way when they see you coming and put you off over and over again when you offer to visit their classrooms? So many coaches face these problems and they all revolve around one thing, the culture of coaching. If your school doesn't have a coaching culture, it can feel like you're bending over backwards to please everyone while actually accomplishing nothing. This summer, my favorite annual event, the Simply Coaching Summit, is all about building a coaching culture at your school. This online conference for instructional coaches is on July 11th, 12th, and 13th, and it will give you everything you need to change your school one step at a time. The summit is three days of keynotes, live workshops, pre-recorded sessions, and live meetups. I'm giving a keynote about how getting curious can change the culture of your school, but there is so much more to the summit that you have to see it for yourself. Head to buzzingwithmissb.com summit to save your spot. The best part is that you have six months to watch the videos. So if your summer plans didn't include some cozy PD at home on the couch, you can watch them when you're back to school. See you at the summit 2022. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. coach and welcome to episode 108 of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. This month we've been digging into different kinds of coaching. So far we've talked to a math coach, a technology coach, and an SEL coach. In this episode, I'm going to share a bit of my experience as a literacy coach with you, as well as give you an inside peek into my online course, The Confident Literacy Coach. My literacy coaching journey started somewhat unexpectedly. Back in episode one, I shared my journey to coaching, but Basically, the short story is that I was asked to apply for a position before I even knew that that's what I was wanted. I didn't know that I was ready to leave the classroom, but after going on the interview and being offered the position, I decided to take it, and I honestly loved it so much that I knew I made the right decision. That isn't always the case for coaches, and I definitely had a challenging first year. Every day wasn't peachy at all, <laughs> and it was, it was a hard move but I felt like I was in the right place and that things would get better over time, and they did. Literacy coaching is a special kind of coaching because you're expected not only to have a strong background in coaching and instructional strategies and methods, 
you're also asked to know a lot about literacy itself. And so you can be perceived as the expert on campus, even if that's not what you're trying to convey. The hard part is that strong teachers don't just transfer to be strong, being strong coaches. So moving into coaching after being a strong teacher doesn't mean we just transfer our knowledge from one audience to another. You know, true teaching involves supporting learners and making sense and meaning, just like coaching. And oh my gosh, even though we're trying to help these people, whether they are little or big, <laughs> make sense of things and, and figure things out on their own, it looks so different when you're moving from a group of kids to a group of adults. Some of my earliest challenges with literacy coaching came from the fact that despite all of us being part of the same district with the same proclaimed practices, every school was honestly doing its own thing. And so many teachers weren't familiar with the framework the district had spent years providing professional development about, which tells you that that online PD support model wasn't really in place everywhere. So we all had a different knowledge base when it came to like our state standards, uh, best practices and literacy in general. It took a lot of structure and support to slowly align our common language and our practices into something meaningful that impacted students through vertical and horizontal alignment. It was a lot of work and it was not an easy road to walk. Everything that I figured out along the way, I created systems for. And that's what ended up inside of the Confident Literacy Coach. So today I'm sharing with you exactly what the course is, who it's for, what's in each module and how it can impact your work as a coach. The best part of the Confident Literacy Coach is that it's actually live right now. You can join this course today at confidentliteracycoach.com and get everything you need to coach with confidence. I have actually a free webinar that introduces you to the topics you'll find in module one, lessons one and two of the course. It's basically the same content, but it's in a webinar format. You can get that for free at buzzingwithmissb.com slash webinar. It's a one hour session that can help you define your role for effective literacy coaching. And the reason that I chose that as a free webinar to offer to you is that that is the, com the question that I get over and over again, whenever I'm working with coaches, whether I'm doing a coaching call for an episode of this podcast, or whether I'm working with somebody on a campus that I know they are struggling often because their role isn't clearly defined. So I really want you to get a hold of this free webinar because it's, that is foundational to everything you're going to want to do at your school. Anybody who isn't coaching literacy can also watch it because the strategies and tools I provide are going to help you define and share your role effectively, regardless of what your content is, or, or even if you don't have a specialization. So you can grab that today for free at buzzingwithmissb.com slash webinar. So now let's talk all about the Confident Literacy Coach course. This course is a comprehensive program that'll help you not only learn practices in reading and writing that will support your teachers, but it also will give you the knowledge, strategies, and tools you'll need to coach effectively in any area. It'll guide you through creating a plan for your own implementation because I walk you through my own systems that I've used and grown over the years. But above all of that, it will give you the confidence to work with teachers in an impactful way, changing your school one day at a time with a purposeful plan. And that's where the confidence comes from. I don't know about you, but when I have a plan, I always feel better. When things are floating around in my head and I can't seem to get things on paper and I think of, oh, I have to do this, I wanna do this, how is all this gonna come together? That's when I feel the worst. But if you can get it on paper and create your plan and know what your focus is and focus on those goals, which the course will walk you through, you will feel so much better, so much more empowered and so much less overwhelmed because you'll know what you're supposed to do and when you're going to do it. Before I share 
exactly what's in each module and explain why I included it based on my own experience as a literacy coach, I want to talk a little bit about who this course is actually for. So if you're an experienced literacy coach, this course can help you reframe and focus your work and give you ideas for working with individual and groups of teachers. It'll help you problem solve some of the challenges you're currently having. And if you're confident in many areas, but need support in just a couple, you can just use a lesson guide. And I give you like a little um, module plan that you can figure out exactly which lessons you wanna dig into and implement right away. And you can skip over those that are not relevant to you at this time. If you're a new literacy coach, like a brand new one, this course will give you what you need every step of the way from defining your responsibilities in a dialogue with your principal to establishing yourself as a coach, managing your time and coaching each part of a literacy framework for reading and writing. If you're an aspiring literacy coach, this course can help you be prepared with a plan for day one on the job. After taking the first four modules, you'll have the knowledge you need to do so well on any coaching interview, you'll get the job that you're wanting. <laughs> It'll save you so much time scouring the internet, searching for things like what do coaches do or coaching strategies or how to make a plan for coaching, which is all stuff that I used to scour the internet for myself. <laughs> when I was a coach on a campus, we used the balanced literacy framework with some adjustments to include more research-based practices. It actually came out of my own teaching and it was in alignment largely with what the district said, but not completely because certain things I found had not worked for me in the classroom. And then whenever I consulted research, I could see why. I'll share a little bit more about what that framework actually looks like when we talk about the third and fourth modules. But if you're concerned about which practices will align to your school's work or your district's focus or whatever it is that you're accountable for, I can totally understand that. Different, different, excuse me, different districts and schools interpret research and that term best practices in very different ways. We can all be looking at the same research um, uh, document and we can come away with a different understanding of how that means we need to adjust the, or change or completely radically modify the teaching and learning on our campus. So what's most important is that you get the tools you need to meet the needs that you have. So if you're absolutely certain, for example, that independent reading is not going to be an eventual goal for kids on your campus, that you will not be doing read alouds or shared reading in any way, this course is probably not for you because I am going to look at how we do authentic um, work while also teaching the very specifics and modeling very specific things that kids need to know to apply into that authentic literature, whether they're reading or writing. We talk about um, using actual literature to apply and actually teaching in a very focused way. And that was actually the way that I was introduced to balanced literacy in the first place. I've heard lots of definitions since then that didn't match the way that I was taught balanced literacy, where we balance very specific and direct instruction with authentic application. That's the balance that I was taught. <laughs> Recently, I've seen a lot of different definitions for this term, and some of them I wonder about because they don't seem to be best for kids. So that was my, my understanding. You teach a very direct and focused way, and then you apply it in authentic literature, whether that's reading or writing experiences. Now, if you are looking to build a literacy program of practices designed to meet your teachers and students' needs like I was as a campus coach, listen to the rest of this episode to see if some of these ideals align with yours to make sure that you're going to get the most out of this course. What's important to me, most of all as a literacy coach, as well as those coaches who benefit the most from my course, is that we have a background of literacy knowledge that we can use to problem solve along with teachers. 
We have an understanding of PLCs and PD structures that can be supportive of teachers and how to roll those out, even when teachers are a little bit unsure. And we have a plan for introducing our role, building our coaching program, managing time and responsibilities, and working with individual teachers in a very impactful way. But above all of this, literacy coaches, especially those who love the Confident Literacy Coach, are ready to feel prepared and challenged in their work. Coaching when you have a content focus is especially challenging. And the work challenges us already, no matter what, but we want to feel confident in what we do. Maybe you can relate to that. If you focus on something specific, such as science, math, or literacy, you're probably used to feeling challenged in your content knowledge, but rising to the challenge and feeling confident when you have the tools that you need. Teachers ask you to know everything about your focus, but that isn't all of your job. And on top of that, sometimes you're tied to a program or approach that you might not love, and your teachers might not love it either. I've been there, and I remember how hard it is to encourage teachers to make shifts in their practice when they're very entrenched in their current way of doing things. All of this is so important, but I want to share with you something I've noticed in coaching coaches, including literacy coaches, over the last few years. No matter what their challenge is, regardless of whether they've been coaching one year or five, I almost always end up asking this question. Have you defined your role as a coach on paper? And 95% of the time they say, well, not really. And I get that. It can seem intimidating to narrow down your work to specific responsibilities, supports, and goals. And if your administrator doesn't really have a clear vision, that can make it a challenge too. But without them, we're floundering. Sometimes people think that literacy coaches don't need to do this, especially if all their teachers will automatically be enrolled in coaching cycles. That teachers are just going to know what they're there to do. But the thing is, they do not know what we're there to do. When I think back to how I was first introduced in my first position as a literacy coach years ago, I know it was a mistake and it set me up for challenging relationships with teachers, not in a good way. <laughs> this is how I was introduced. We were all in a big faculty meeting and I was sitting next to the brand new math and science coach. I was a brand new literacy coach. I had never coached a day in my life. I had done PD for my school. I had taken lots of leadership roles and supported teachers and had mentored uh, and I was uh, served as a mentor for new teachers, but I never had coached other teachers. My principal gestured to us and said, this year, we're fortunate enough to have two new faculty members. Christy is our expert in literacy, and Mr. So-and-so is our expert in math and science. And I flinched a little at being called an expert, but I didn't realize how bad of a start it was going to be. The previous year at this school had been a real struggle for teachers, and they'd been asked to learn new things and change so much of their classroom practice. And I don't think it was literally ever actually said, but the message that they heard, and this is as it was shared with me by a teacher, was we were told we don't know how to do anything. So why don't you just tell me what to do? And I know part of that came from me being introduced as the expert. This is the whole problem, but that was definitely a part of it. I mean, I was told I was the expert. They were told I was the expert. And so here's the tricky part. Could I have just told her what to do? Yes. I could have told that teacher who said, can't you just tell me what to do? I could have told her what to do. I was very good at teaching kids to read and write. And the problem with this though, is would that have impacted her teaching? It really would not have. Not if I was directive and top down. And so like if I gave her a random list of items that she didn't fully understand, it wasn't going to change anything about her teaching. Building a coaching relationship though, will change classrooms. And that was something that I had to come to learn 
the hard way that I had to learn over time. And if you feel like you're there, that you don't have the relationships that you're being asked to tell teachers what to do, you're, you're not alone. It's a common challenge, but I'm, I'm here to help you. Okay. <laughs> so if you're unsure if this coach is, this course is right for you, because you've heard a lot from quote coaching experts, I have a great way for you to try it out. Okay. I mentioned it before. I have this free webinar that includes highlights from the first two lessons from the confident literacy coach. You can grab that in the show notes at buzzingwithmissb.com slash webinar and try it out. So if you've never really defined your role, like I had not at the time, this will give you the tools that you need to do just that. And it'll also give you an idea of what it's like to participate in a course with me. Although this was a webinar and not a pre-recorded session like you'll find in the course. So in that way, it will be very different. The first module in the course is called establishing yourself as a coach. And that's because the first thing you need to do is define your coaching role and make sure that all the stakeholders, teachers and administrators are really clear on that role. It also helps for the kids to know why you're there. Right? It involves making decisions about what you're there to do and what your goals are for your coaching work. So if you feel hazy or fuzzy about what you're trying to accomplish, this is going to change that. The beautiful thing about it is that once you've made these decisions, you can actually get going. Instead of going back and forth, trying to navigate muddy waters with no clear direction, having that plan for your role, how you'll communicate with your admin, how you'll share it with teachers and what your work will focus on is all covered in module one. And I know it'll change your coaching work, even if you need a do-over with your teachers. And that's okay if you need a do-over. You can start over anytime you want and say, I've figured this out. This is how I want to begin even though it's you know, May, even though it's June, even though it's February, this is what I wanna do. You can start over and tell your teachers you wanna start over too. One of the biggest challenges that coaches have that this module addresses is communicating with administrators. So in the course, I give a step-by-step -step process for having a productive meeting with your administrator to get your role nailed down onto paper. And this doesn't mean you can't change and grow it, but it does mean you, your admin and your teachers will all have the same idea of what you're there to do. And it shouldn't be, help out, right? I'm not here to help out. That's not where you're here. That, that sounds like making copies, right? <laughs> and watching kids at lunch duty. After you've completed this process, you'll finally feel like you have a direction, a common vision, and a plan for how to make change happen at your school. And that is life-changing. I also give you a plan for building relationships with specific teachers, especially those teachers who maybe haven't appreciated your presence quite yet, because we all know some of our special teachers who are not super excited about us. Module two is all about managing your time and responsibilities as a coach. It's easy to be overwhelmed by too many things on your to-do list and too much of your day being spent on things that just aren't impactful. Each lesson walks you through one step to having a productive week. So we talk about focusing your time on high impact strategies and I share exactly what those are. So you're not spinning your wheels, trying to make change happen in really unproductive ways. We identify daily, weekly, and monthly tasks that are recurring and figure out some systems that'll help you manage, uh, maximize your efficiency on those tasks and manage them really well. And then I share the big three, the strategy that will help you feel like you actually accomplish what you set out to every day, week, and month. Feeling ineffective is a huge problem that we have as coaches, but if you can focus on the big three, it's going to change your effectiveness for sure. The last lesson planning for the week helps you implement all of these ideas with a plan that is ready for you to use on Monday. It's important to me that you don't just get a lot of ideas and walk away feeling overwhelmed and unprepared. So for each lesson, I give you the tools you'll need to make the learning happen in your work. Module three is about building best practices in reading. 
While so much research has come out about reading best practices, the interpretation of that research can look wildly different when we actually see what it looks like in school. In this module and the next one, three and four, building best practices in writing, I share about practices that were effective in my classroom and in the classrooms I coach. I introduce practices like read-alouds, shared reading, word study, literacy stations, and independent reading, and I share what they can look like. They don't have to look like this, but this is one way they can look as you're trying to figure out what will be effective for your teachers. I share my rationale for when to use literacy stations and when and how to move students to independent reading. And I also introduced some ideas for word work at a very basic level and what this umbrella might include. But this course doesn't instruct you in how to teach phonics, phonemic awareness, or other foundational decoding skills. That's not what this is. That is too in-depth uh, in a very specific content area that is not going to be addressed in this course. I have personally had experience with using these programs, and I believe that in order to do it effectively, you need to follow the research, which states you need a structured program that builds systemically, like really builds on itself over time and across grade level. So I've used myself foundation, and I have also had some experience with John and Ken's spell. In Spanish, we used Estrellita and Esperanza. They are very different program programs, and they each have their strong points. Um, I spent most of the time in foundations, and so I do actually really appreciate that. And I even apply principles that I learned from foundations with my pre-reading daughter at home so she can learn her letter sounds. You know, we're already doing this orally. I've also heard so many good things about Hegarty for phonemic awareness, but as an upper elementary teacher, I didn't really have firsthand experience with that program in my own classroom, and I can't speak to that. But I do, um, I do believe that your school needs a program, if you're including pre-K, kinder, first, second grade, that really focuses on building that, that structure of phonics, phonemic awareness, all of the phonological awareness stuff. If you are only working with upper elementary teachers, there are some programs out there that will help you, that you can build, like Words Their Way, things like that are really helpful um, But by Cunningham. But um, if you don't have anything currently in place, I do share some ideas in this course that you can use to address your state standards and it's any gaps that you see in your students as readers and decoders. So that's, that's kind of how I've gone about it here. I do also introduce several different options for what to do with students during independent reading time. And while I don't teach you how to do a guided reading lesson that meets students' needs in accuracy, fluency, and comprehension, like I don't instruct you how to go through the entire planning process, I do provide a free download that will help you get started in planning purposeful lessons. And I share some background on why running records are helpful for doing this. Guided reading isn't the only thing teachers can do during independent reading. And I actually give you several options during the literacy framework breakdown, but it is a way to meet readers where they are and to differentiate the small group lesson to meet their needs, whatever they are. I remember starting out as a literacy coach and I felt like the success I had in the classroom just wasn't transferring to my work with teachers. We didn't speak the same language and we weren't coming from the same instructional background at all. And building that plane while I was flying it was really hard. Really, really hard to build a plane when you're flying it, guys. <laughs> and I know some of you are nodding your heads because you've had the same experience. I wish I'd had more knowledge of how to support teachers in their implementation. And so I share ideas in this module that I've created over years of coaching and many of my students have found these ideas so helpful in supporting their teachers and implementing new practices, regardless of which practices you decide are most essential for you and your school. 
we talk about how to set up teachers for success by building your reading program with components that are meaningful and purposeful and actually reflect the time that your teachers have instead of creating an imaginary schedule that no one can really implement. And I've shared on this podcast many times how my teachers in the bilingual classrooms were actually asked to teach components that added up to more minutes than they had in a school day. We can't be doing that, right? I also share how to coach each part of the literacy framework one step at a time. And I include the tools you'll need to visit classrooms to see what's in place so you can figure out where to go next. It's a great way to get a needs assessment, figure out what teachers are currently doing so you know what to focus on for PLC, for professional development, for any kind of learning you do together. One of my favorite lessons in this module is addressing common misconceptions about comprehension. Because we build comprehension through background knowledge and oral language, read-alouds are a great way to do this. Students can build their comprehension through read-alouds and discussion if teachers are purposeful in the way strategies are explicitly taught. I clarify misconceptions and I share the information that will help your teachers be thoughtful in the way that they introduce comprehension strategies to students. The last lesson in this module walks you through a process to help you identify five high impact strategies that you'll focus on in your coaching work. So these can be integrated into professional development, professional learning. Um, you can do, use them in PLCs or coaching cycles to help teachers build a common language and a bank of strategies to refer to during common planning. It's such a lifesaver to have a bank of resource, a bank of strategies that everybody understands what they look like. It, is, it saves you so much time and frustration whenever you're planning together. It's a highly effective way to get teachers collaborating and sharing during these planning times too. Module four is one of my most popular modules. It's all about building best practices in writing and many coaches tell me that this is an area they're unsure of. Teachers often have far less experience in writing than in reading and there aren't as many good tools out there to support them that aren't highly limiting scripted programs that often don't work anyway. In this module, I start out by sharing the basics how to use mentor texts, what the writing process that writers use looks like in a classroom, and tips for getting students to share their writing that doesn't take the entire class period and put everyone to sleep, because <laughs> I know you've been there. I also offer my explanation for why daily oral language or finding errors in paragraphs isn't a solid approach for teaching grammar, spelling, punctuation, or other language conventions. Instead, I recommend mentor sentences to introduce students to grammatical structures and rules of the language with an actual model sentence every week. This supports their writing as well as their reading comprehension of those structures. I have resources to teach with mentor sentences in my TPT store too, and you can check them out in the show notes or you can go to teacherspayteachers.com, search for Christy Beltran buzzing with Miss B and look for my mentor sentence resources. It's all in there and it teaches you how to do it a step at a time. Just like in module three, where I walk you through supporting teachers and reading practices, I do the same in module four for writing. We talk about how to focus your work, tips for helping teachers grow as writers, which will impact their writing instruction tremendously. It will make all the difference if you can get your teachers writing. And how a model classroom can help with your teachers. Before you're done with this module, I'm going to clarify common misconceptions about the writing process and how to use it effectively with students making connections to the grammar instruction you've done to create strong writers. And we'll choose those five high impact strategies to help you focus your coaching work too. Okay, module five is all about coaching bread and butter. The coaching cycle is imperative, but when I started coaching, I wasn't taught about it at all. I had to seek learning out about this topic and it took me a while to be comfortable scheduling teachers for pre-conferences and getting them started in coaching cycles. 
With a foundation you've built in module one, establishing your role as a coach, you'll be able to get teachers enrolled in coaching cycles as a positive experience rather than punitive. The lessons in this module will help you conduct coaching cycles with three different types of classroom work. You'll be able to conduct classroom visits or observations, model lessons, and co-teach lessons. I used to be so stressed out about co-teaching until I refined the process I share with you in this module. Once I figured out how to co-plan each part of the lesson by sharing responsibilities with the teacher, I was so much more comfortable teaching alongside them. Before that, it was not a fun experience for me. I also figured out a simple, simple behavior management system that helped me work with classrooms where chaos was the only system in place. And I know you've seen them. The last module in this course is possibly the most important because there's a huge gap for this support out in the world of the interweb. As a new coach, I struggled to coach teams of teachers more than I struggled with any other responsibility. PLCs were on Tuesdays and I spent Monday trying to prepare while basically feeling sick about the next day. And if you struggle with teams of teachers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't think my experience was completely unique. Sometimes I felt stonewalled, stonewalled and sometimes I felt completely unproductive after a, a PLC. Over the years, I worked really hard and spent a lot of time reflecting on the ways I could work with teams of teachers that would alleviate the stress and help both teachers and myself feel like we were walking away from a productive session with a plan. That's why the first two lessons in this module are about identifying group dynamics and creating norms and agreements. Looking back, if I'd been more aware of the dynamics that were happening right in front of me and had a plan for creating norms, we could have started enjoying PLC so much sooner. And honestly, if you feel confident about your reading and writing practices and you're already fairly well established in coaching cycles, you can jump right into this module and instantly change your coaching experience. In lessons three through five, I share three different things you can do with teams of teachers. And I give you a step-by-step -step process for each one. Looking at student work together can revolutionize the coaching conversations that you have with teachers. Asking participants to share what they notice and what they will do next and how they get kids to do what you see on paper is an incredible coaching tool. Lesson four is about digging into data together. I teach you how to prepare for a data meeting, what to do during the meeting to maximize effectiveness and how to follow up afterwards so all of the dialogue you had with teachers doesn't get lost. And best of all, teachers will walk out of your data meetings with a plan of how to put that conversation into action to improve student performance. And isn't that the point? How many times have you had a data meeting and then they walk out and nothing changes? Ugh, like why did I just waste my time, right? Our Tuesdays as a campus coach were dedicated to planning collaboratively. With this many grade levels, this was such a bear. I've shared my challenges in this area before, but I can quickly share here that when planning together is new or it's different, it can take a long time to get teachers on board. And all of my cute preparations were basically fruitless because we didn't have a common process. Over time, I developed a process that worked for different grade levels, and I teach that exact, exact process and the tools you'll need to do it in this lesson. I know I mentioned before that a lesson was one of my favorites, okay, but this lesson might be my absolute favorite because it was so hard to figure out, and I know it works. Teachers walk away with plans, and you walk away feeling confident that you didn't waste anybody's time. Basically, this make, lets them make planning together fun and so much easier. I started looking forward to PLCs once I started doing this with teachers, it was crazy. One of the best parts of this course is that you get so many bonus coaching tools that will help save you time and implement the learning right away. I include coaching menus, 
a virtual coaching menu too, and an edible, editable, it's not edible. Do not eat it. It's editable version of a coaching menu, beautiful coaching invitations, printable notes for teachers, an editable content building guide, and a sample of a collaborative planning unit for author's purpose. Reading bonus resources include checklists and surveys for readers workshop, independent reading and guided reading, shared reading lesson planners for grade level bands, such as pre-KK, first and second, and second through fifth, guided reading teaching points for decoding and comprehension, and summary frames for nonfiction. You can use all of these tools right away with your teachers to support them in their instruction. For writing, you get writer's workshop checklists and surveys for teachers, writing process posters, writing rubrics for narrative and expository writing, an expository revision checklist, and writing process folders that you can use with your teachers. Print them out and hand them over. I know how impactful this course can be because it includes everything I figured out over years of coaching work. When you get all of that learning in one place, it saves you so much time, stress, and frustration in figuring it all out on your own. I created this course because I know what's possible for literacy coaches if they have the tools that they need. Every single one of these lessons is based on work I've done with teachers and schools, so I know it works in the real world. The frustration that coaches feel every single day is so heavy, and it can feel like nothing will change your working situation, and nobody wants to go to work when they feel overwhelmed, ineffective, and isolated. This course will help you change all that. So I want to share a couple of pieces of the feedback I've received from coaches who have gone through the Confident Literacy Coach and let you know how it impacted their coaching. One coach said, I have spent every evening for the past few weeks with you, and now I'm ready to implement your strategies. I just recently met with my new administrator and discussed our campus's high-impact strategies, which you helped me realize our campus has. I just didn't know what to call them. She was very impressed. I definitely feel more confident in my role and ability as a coach. One email I received said, Chrissy, you are changing me in such a positive way as it pertains to literacy. I'm learning so much. I just finished module 3.3 with lots more to do. The Confident Literacy Coach is one of the best workshops I have taken in my 34 years of experience in education. Another said, I always feel like I'm going insane, but you empower me. After each module, I feel lifted up. And honestly, that is exactly why this course exists. As a coach, I often felt doubtful and, frustra and frustrated until I figured out some systems and supports that anchored me. And that's what I want for you to do. You can feel confident in your coaching work. If I hadn't implemented these strategies, I would have felt like I was spinning my wheels and not making an impact on my school. Nobody knows what coaching is like. When you're asked to move mountains, very gently without bothering the mountain. <laughs> it's such a special position. And I can honestly say that if you're in this role, my heart is with you because this is an especially hard time to be a teacher and to be a coach. You're in my thoughts and I hope you stick it out because our educational system needs coaches like you who are investing their own time in learning how to better their schools. So hang in there coach. And if you're ready for some free tools, check out my free defining your coaching role webinar at buzzingwithmissb.com slash webinar or grab the Confident Literacy Coach course this week at confidentliteracycoach.com. Our next episode is going to kick off our new series in July about learning together. We're going to talk about professional development and learning through several different lenses. My next episode is about different opportunities for PD and why to use each one. I'll walk you through identifying your PD opportunities and figuring out what you can do with that time to impact teaching and learning. Check back next week for episode 109. Till then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. 
Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.